Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries, where our vision is knowing God, loving people, and making disciples. We trust this week's message will be a blessing to your life. Enjoy the teaching ministry of KLM. Father, we thank you for this moment, this time, your word, your word is truth. Thank you that you will speak to our hearts. May our hearts be open to receive what it is that you have to say. Um, God, we, we surrender this moment over to you. We give this moment over to you. May your Holy Spirit have complete and total and full reign in the name of Jesus. Help us, Lord God, to push through and past any and all distractions. Lord, daydreaming. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, Father, troubles of this life. God, help us, Lord, to rise above it so that we can connect with you, hear from you, Lord God. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. May he do the work, Lord, of um, exalting Jesus and um, making all that is heard today real in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So I have to tell you, um, so I, I get to kind of, like I preach a lot of different places, and um, I, because I'm, I'm an itinerant minister, um, sometimes I'll do the same message, you know, because I'm in front of different audiences all the time that have never heard the messages unless they went on YouTube. <laughs> uh, and, um, but then, you know, <laughs> but, you know, there are times, there are certain instances, it's, it's un- actually not that common, but there are certain instances where God will give me what to say for a particular church. Um, and again, it doesn't happen often, but this church, Kingdom Living, for some reason, God speaks to me about you. Even, uh, right, P- Pastor knows, outside. I'm talking about outside of preaching here, God speaks to me about this church. And... Um, and so with that said, um, he wouldn't allow me to just pull out one of, one of my, <laughs> he actually gave me something that I believe is um, handcrafted for you this morning. And so I really just want you all to lock in um, as I'm locking in as well to hear from God. All right. Um, as we go into the new year, one of the things that I'm hoping for, for this church, both when I say this church today, it will be all inclusive of the individuals and the corporate. Um, but one of the things that I'm hoping for this church, this ministry, each individual, is that we would be free going into 2020, um, and that we would the the one of the keys to the freedom, one of the keys to freedom is honesty. Um, Bear with me again, I never, this is all fresh for me too. So, but I do think that it's important that uh, we both, that we be honest with ourselves, with God, and even with others. Be honest with ourselves, with God, and even with others. Now this is, you know, a tall order actually, because uh, deceitfulness actually comes really easy. It just depends. You know, or we, I just saw a movie called Knives Out. Uh, <laughs> did you see the movie? Okay, she's, she's cracking up because she knows exactly who I'm talking about. So anyway, there's a character in the movie, right, who cannot lie. Like she, well, can I just have to tell you this character? 
I can tell you the character without telling this story. It's just the character. It's just the, okay. All right. <laughs> but this character cannot lie. And um, every time she lies, uh, she vomits. Not no, yeah, it's, it's crazy, right? So even when she tries, she might get it out, but then she'll, she'll vomit. That's all I'm gonna tell y'all. But the point is that she's rare. Everybody thought she was, you know, the, the detectives loved her, obviously, because they need somebody that's truthful. <laughs> but uh, deceit actually comes, the reason why she was rare is because deceit actually comes easy. It actually comes easy. It really just depends on the circumstances, doesn't it? Um, everybody is honest to a point. <laughs> Everybody's honest to a point. It's interesting. Paul the Apostle, he's writing to uh, well, Titus, and the Bible says, uh, in, in the book of Titus, it says, all the Cretans, that was the city that they lived in, are liars. That's crazy, right? That man said the whole city. <laughs> He said, all, all Cretans are liars because lying actually comes relatively easy to us. It really just depends. And, and, and when I say lying, I don't just mean what you do with your tongue. I mean dishonesty, which is the heart of deceitfulness. It really comes easy. So this year, going into 2020, I want us to be honest with ourselves, be honest with God, and be honest with one another. This is going to be critical to your freedom. This is going to be critical to your freedom. So I want to talk this morning specifically about secrets. Secrets. People keep secrets for a number of reasons. Why do we keep secrets? <laughs> Whole lot of reasons, right? Embarrassment, shame, right? Um, fear that we might get in trouble, maybe with the law, <laughs> maybe with somebody else. <laughs> but trouble nonetheless. We keep secrets because, you know, we don't want to destroy a relationship. We fear if we tell this other person what we've done or what we've said. We were just watching Love and Hip Hop the other day. That's one of my guilty pleasures, don't judge me. But we were just watching Love and Hip Hop the other day. <laughs> the new season, they went back to the, y'all know, y'all just don't wanna talk about because it it's Sunday morning. But Love and Hip Hop, but I love hip hop. You know, it's just interesting. Like, see, they can't see what we see, but we see when like Yandy is gossiping about. You see what I mean? And then when Yandy gets with such and such at the table, Jonathan, you see what I'm saying? She get at the table with Jonathan, but and but like I don't know what you're talking about. And Jonathan is like, boo boo. I would never. And, and I'm like. But we like, we saw you, we, we saw you, right? But they can't see each other, only we're, see, we're watching from our vantage point, so they don't know what to believe, right? So, but sometimes you, you lie to preserve a relationship. You lie because it's embarrassing, drug use. I mean, who wants to say I'm hooked on meth? <laughs> I mean, I mean, who wants to say whenever there's infidelity, you lie. Yeah. Sexual orientation. Who wants to who wants to admit I don't I struggle with my identity, male or female? I don't know if I'm a man or a woman. I feel like a man trapped in a woman's body. 
So they said that Bruce Jenner, when he was Bruce Jenner, it's Caitlyn now, but they used to catch him when they were younger. The Kardashian girl said, when we were young, we used to see daddy catch him in the mirror putting on lipstick and high heels. But see, this is not something he felt free to explain. And I'm not, I'm not justifying either way. I'm just talking about the why people keep secrets. So why do we lie? Why do we keep secrets? We do it to preserve relationships. We, we keep secrets but to avoid embarrassment or shame. We keep secrets uh, so, to, so as to not destroy relationships. We, do, we keep secrets because we want to control how people perceive us. That's why we keep secrets. I mean, just think about it. In the age of, of social media, we actually keep the real us a secret from the world. Because the image that we put out there is actually not the real us. You can control the image. And unfortunately, we don't know. We don't know where the line is between image and reality. (laughs) You see what I mean? (laughs) So we assume that everything that we see is accurate. So we think we see such and such. We saw them like on a yacht. We didn't, what we didn't know is that, what we didn't know is that they were, or we see them in a car. We didn't know that they were on that yacht, but they were really just walking around because they had an uncle who told them to come there. And the uncle, the rich uncle had them come to pick something up. That was just a pickup. They didn't even stay. But because they took a selfie, like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you felt like that was their reality. Because sometimes image and reality are conflated in our minds, but not in reality. So we actually keep our, the real you is not on a yacht at all. <laughs> the real you is in Camden. <laughs> Before gentrification. <laughs> You, you see, <laughs> on the ferry, you on the ferry. <laughs> the real you was on the ferry, but you won't. <laughs> All right, you get the point. The point here is that we want to control how people see us, don't we? Yeah. I mean, this is why we keep stuff secret. Yeah. This is why we are afraid to be vulnerable. It's, it's, it's the reason why we won't let people in but so much. It's the reason why we put up walls. It's the reason why, because if we let people in too deep, they'll see too much of who we actually are. Yeah. Yeah. Which is not bad, but you think it is, because it's you. Yeah. We keep secrets for the fear of consequences. We keep secrets for fear of how people might perceive us. We keep secrets to preserve relationships. We keep secrets because there's an embarrassment, a stigma, a shame that comes along with it. These are the reasons why we keep secrets. And the reason why this is important for me to point out is because it's always good to know why you do what you do. You can begin to break the cycle when you come out of it. But here's the thing. Here's here's my my curveball. Not all secrets are bad. In fact, uh, in fact, in fact, Solomon, where's my phone? Do I have it up here? Anywhere? Thank you, sir. Uh, in fact, in fact, go to our Proverbs 2019. But you got to say, I got it. 
Now, y'all got your phone Bibles, right? Twenty nineteen. Look what he says here. He says, whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with a simple babbler. Go to Proverbs eleven thirteen. You got to say, I got it. Okay, whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets, but he who is trustworthy in spirit keeps a thing covered. There is actually a place for secrecy. There's actually a time where secrecy is healthy. It says, he who is trustworthy... You know, I, I literally, this really stuck with me because people, I, I, I was, a lot of people talk to me about their problems. And what the, you know, the first thing that people say, now you know this is between me and you, right? That's the first, that's like, that's the, <laughs> and sometimes they be like, I mean, I know I ain't got to tell you, but they just got to get it out the, off their chest. Because, because the information that they're sharing with me is, 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 is sensitive. It's, it's sensitive information. And I have a responsibility, and my, the thing I say all the time is the same thing every time. I say, I'm a vault. In other words, I, you're not, nobody's, you, you never hear any mess about my family. You're never going to hear us being messy because we talk about what we know about other people. But that's what the Bible says here, that there actually comes a time if a person tells you something in confidence for you to go to, even if you go into another person under the guise of praying for them. Because that's what we do as the saints, right? We spiritualize it. You see what I'm saying? So if I go in the name, you know, and then to somebody else, and in the name of looking out for the other person, by let's just pray for them. I, I think I think we should pray for such and such. They, you see what I mean? So you, to, in order to clear your conscience of the guilt of telling something that you told them you would not tell, you spiritualize it. God says, no, that's not trustworthiness. If somebody trusts you with information that you, are, that you told them you would not tell, you should not tell. Right. Now, I'm not talking about if it's harmful to them. I'm not talking about if it's damaging. I'm talking about they're just bearing their soul to you, telling you something they just can't share with everybody else. Right. It's too much for the whole world to know, for the entire family to know. So I'm not talking about damaging. I'm not talking about stuff that will harm them. I'm not talking about stuff that will harm others. Just if they told you in confidence, be trustworthy. Not all secrets are bad. In fact, God got some secrets. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, and the secret things belong to the Lord. God says, there's some stuff I just can't tell, y'all. <laughs> God says, there's just some stuff I can't tell you. You're not ready. You couldn't handle it even if I did. <laughs> oh, my God. Listen, Jesus, the Bible says, I think it's in the book of Matthew, there are two blind men. He heals the two blind men, and then he tells the two blind men, now, do not tell anybody what I just did. <laughs> Because even God 
sees a, the value in keeping things secret for his own purposes. God has secrets. Stuff he just can't divulge. He says, if I told you, you wouldn't be able to handle it. Right. Told Moses, listen, if you saw me fully, you die. <laughs> this, I, I can, I, I'm limited in what I can reveal. Oh, my, my God. God says, I'm limited in how much I can reveal to you. Shh. It's just like what you can't do with children. There are secrets that my wife and I have from my daughter because she's just not ready. You just can't know. You can't handle it. God says it's the same for us. It's the same for you and I. It's just some stuff you cannot handle. It's too big. The little bit we know about God, we can't handle. <laughs> God said some secrets, I call them sacred secrets. Some secrets are sacred. God says you can't handle it. Job uh, 42.3, when he realizes the immensity of God's knowledge, he says, and God has spoke things that are too wonderful for me. <laughs> it's too much for me. To bear, God has secrets. There's sacred secrets. And then there are what I call salvific secrets. Salvific is just another word that means, a word that, a tense. So what, what tense is it? Whatever tense it is for the word salvation. <laughs> so salvific secrets. A salvific secret is the, a secret that somebody uh, will hold for the sake of saving others. So there were, so there were Germans that hid Jewish people under their floorboards. Yeah. And when the Nazis came to their houses, oh, this is good. Listen, when the Nazis came to their houses, they would walk around looking for the Jewish people because they heard there were Jewish people being held there. And they would not find them because they were hiding. And the Germans would not reveal that they had Jewish stowaways in the house. But the purpose of it was to preserve the life of someone else. See, this is when a secret is necessary to keep. Oh, my God, this is good. Harriet Tubman had a secret. Ooh. It was called the Underground Railroad, a network by which she helped to transport slaves at oh, approximately 70, 13 missions, approximately 70 slaves. She had a network whereby she transported slaves to free states. That was a salvific secret. Rahab, the Bible says that, they, that, the, that the Israelites, but before, before they went in, remember God said, go scout out the land. Joshua and Caleb went and scouted out the land, and they saw giants there. But where did they stay? Ooh, this is so good. Where did they stay when they were there? They stayed at Rahab's house, a woman of ill repute. They went and stayed with Rahab. When, they came, when the people came knocking on the door, said, hold up, we just saw, we heard that you were housing two of Israel's spies. She said, I don't know what you're talking about. And she <laughs> let them out. And she let them out through the window. And the Bible says because of that secret, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. that God blessed her house. Oh, my God. Salvific secrets. Sometimes it's necessary to keep a secret for the sake of saving someone else. Salvific secrets. But then 
There are secrets that are unhealthy and toxic. Then there are secrets that are not salvific, not sacred, that are destructive. These are the secrets that I want to highlight today. See, some of us really struggle with secrecy because it's the only pattern we know. Listen. It's the only thing that's ever been modeled before us. See, some, some of us some of us hide because it's all we know. Some of us come from a culture. It's all Cretans are liars. Remember that? Some of us come from a culture where secrecy is the way. It's the only way you know. It's how will I weasel out of this? I got to find a way out of this. My husband cannot know that. My wife absolutely cannot know that. My homie cannot know. My pastor cannot know. How can I? If, they, if I tell them, they'll think this of me. If I tell them, they'll think that of me. First of all, this, is hu- this perception thing is huge. This perception thing is huge. That You know, social media is not the first time we've seen people who have been so preoccupied with perception. Matthew chapter 6, the Bible says that Jesus was addressing the disciples and he told them, don't do things the way that the religious leaders do them. Because the religious leaders do them for, with, with, with ostentatious intentions. In other words, they do them to be seen by men when they pray. They pray, they pray and post it on Instagram. When they fast, they fast and they with a long face and make sure that they've gone on FaceTime live so that everybody knows they're fasting. Listen, Jesus said this preoccupation with how people see me did not start in the 2000s. This is an age old issue. Jesus didn't say don't fast. Everybody was everybody that's ever been godly fasted. Esther fasted. David fasted. Jesus fasted. He just said don't fast like they fast. Because when they fast, they fast and they make sure they walk around so everybody knows they're fasting. You see, it, the issue wasn't the action. It was the intention. It was, he says, when the, when the religious leaders pray, they do it on the street corners and pray real loud and blow horns so everybody sees them and thinks, oh, they're so religious, they're so pious, they're so spiritual, they so love God. Jesus says, don't do it like that. This preoccupation with perception will kill you because you'll never catch up. The reason why they kill you is because you'll never catch up. You keep trying to get there. You'll do whatever it takes to get there. I bottle up DC. I keep DC. I'll hide. I'll mask all of who I am to get there. To be perceived in a certain light. 
But some of us come from a culture of secrecy, a pattern. This, what, this is the way daddy did it? Yeah. Shh, daddy was a manipulator? Mommy was a manipulator? I watched it with my own, I watched how they handle bill collectors. If you grew up in the hood and you didn't have much, you know what I'm talking about when people, when you go outside to hook up the electricity and it ain't yours, you're getting it from next door. <laughs> That's how daddy did it. Oh, God, talk. That's how daddy did it. That's how my uncle did it. That's how my aunt did it. Bishop Jake said, many of us got Jesus in our heart and daddy in our bones. That's how daddy did it. He, so he set a pattern for you. Mommy set a pattern for you. This is what happened in the household of Jacob and Esau. Woo! Rebecca, as much as we love Rebecca, was a mess. <laughs> and she trained her sons in deceit. <laughs> Jesus. Rebecca trained her sons to be deceitful. Her favorite was Jacob. She heard, overheard daddy talking to Esau, which was his favorite. Already would be in a bad situation. <laughs> Isaac tells Esau, go out, son, go out into the field, and when you come back, bring me some food so I can bless you before I die. <laughs> Remember, it's supposed to be Abraham, Isaac, and but it's not. It's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because Esau what? Gave up his birthright. He gave up his birthright. But that's typically where we stop. But we didn't, what we, did, what we don't, don't deal with most of the time is mama and them. <laughs> mama and them. Mama and them had a, mama and them did a very poor job at teaching their sons honesty. How to get it the right way. Because what did Rebecca tell, what did Rebecca tell Jacob? I overheard your father. Telling Esau, go out, such, such, come back, and I'm going to bless him. He don't, he don't need to be blessed. You don't want to need to be blessed. Jacob was like, well, I got to be blessed, mama. See, I'm already in the South. I'm talking like I'm in the South. <laughs> I got to be blessed, mama. What I got to do to be blessed, mama? All right, anyway. So he said, <laughs> but what did she do? Stop playing, y'all. Listen. So she said, she, she says, listen. Go out, come back, pretend, because she knew Isaac can't see nothing. He can't see nothing. His eyes were dim. Go out, throw on your brother's clothes. He said, Mama, but brother's chest is hairy. I ain't got no hair on my chest. <laughs> she probably sent them over to Party City to get some, like, <laughs> you know, like Halloween, the Halloween stuff. <laughs> <laughs> he comes back to the 
but basically pretend you're him Woo! Yeah. to get blessed. To get blessed. Wow. If you want to get blessed, my God. pretend you're him. Oh, my God. Yeah. Pretend to be somebody you're not yeah. if you want to be blessed. Woo! Oh, my God, talking here. Listen, if, if you want the blessings of God, come on, if you want the inheritance, just be somebody you're not. Then Esau got wind of what they were doing and tried to kill Jacob. So then mama decided, Shoot, we got to come up with something else. <laughs> Came up with another scheme so that Jacob ended up going to Laban's. That's how he ended up there. What's my point? My point here is that we got to trace stuff back to the root. This secrecy, deceptiveness, dishonesty. Again, I'm not just talking about what rolls off your tongue. I'm talking about, I'm talking about a life where you'll do whatever to get what you want. To wiggle out of adverse circumstances. What will you do? What will you say? That pattern has been set for so many of us. And so, so many of us have to break this curse, break this, break this pattern, break it. We have to break what's been modeled for us. We have to be the difference in our family because for Jacob, this is all they knew. All they knew was deception. This is the way you get what you want to get. They weren't thinking about, you don't get the sense that this is how they were thinking. You don't get the sense that Jacob was thinking this. This was implanted. This was taught. He was indoctrinated to think this way. What's the root? If you trace it back, you might find that the people that raised you had a lot to do with why it's so easy for you to be deceptive and hold secrets that are toxic. Patterns. Secrets have side effects. The side effects of secrets. The side effects are isolation. Because what happens is when you're holding something, oh, I know God is speaking here. Listen, listen, I do not want you to miss it. Do not want you to throw up a wall. Just receive what God has to say. Listen, isolation happens as a consequence because what's difficult, what's difficult is being around people who are in the light. It's difficult to be around people who are truthful. It's difficult to be around people who are moving with total freedom when you know you're holding secrets. So you either go into isolation or unhealthy community. 
You either get, go away from, you either seek to get away from everybody that reminds you of truth. Or by going into isolation or just away, I just become a hermit. I become a recluse. Or I find people who share in this value of secrecy with me. So I build a new community that's more akin and in line with where I am, which is in darkness. Shame comes with it. A side effect of secrecy is shame. The Bible says Adam and Eve, after partaking of the fruit of the tree, they run and they hide. Shame, guilt, broken trust. That's what secrecy does in relationships. It breaks trust. It, it, it actually interrupts intimacy. How can we have intimacy when we don't really know each other? Because we don't really know each other when we're not as open as we possibly can be. I only know who you're showing me. <laughs> the side effect of secrecy, broken trust, guilt, shame. And the side effect of secrecy, watch this, is physical sickness. <laughs> One of the side effects of secrecy is physical sickness. The Bible says that uh, during the Lord's Supper, that there were some that if they were to drink and partake, they would die or become sick. <laughs> and there are some scholars that believe that the reason why that they will be, the reason why they will become sick is because of secret sin. Partaking of the Lord's body, holding secret sins. <laughs> go with me to James chapter 5. Let's go. Hurry up. James 5. Look at this. He says here, is any one of you, 13, sorry, 13, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. <laughs> what does this show us? That there's oftentimes, you see it all throughout the ministry of Jesus, an association of physical sickness and hidden sin. <laughs> because the body is not designed to hold it. The body has not been designed to hold lies. God didn't design the body psychologically. We cannot, we cannot, we are incapable of holding deception and lies and secrets. It, 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 it erodes us from the inside out. So, so, so the Bible says here, James chapter 5, there is an oftentimes an association with sick, with sick, whenever there's sickness, there's oftentimes associated with sin. 
This is why the Bible says that when Jesus healed, oftentimes he would say after the healing, go sin no more. (laughs) Wait, what did one have to do with the other? (laughs) What did one had to do with the other? One was actually the reason for the other. (laughs) You're sick because of sin. And this applies to the saints, too. We know that the world is sin sick, but the saints can be sick because of sin. (laughs) Oh, my God. The world is sin sick. That's their very nature. But the saints can be sick because of sin. We keep making doctor's visits for stuff they can't fix. Because the Bible says here, the only thing that will relieve it is the prayer of faith. (laughs) My God. The only thing that are lifted is the prayer of faith. Side effects of sin, of secrecy. Lastly, the solution to secrecy is confession. The solution to secrecy is confession. To confess involves three things. An admission of wrongdoing and heartfelt knowledge of the fact that what you did is indeed wrong or what you're doing. And it must be to a person that is outside of yourself. Confession. You know, there's a lot of conversation that whirls around the Catholic Church. And I do think it's problematic to think that the priest... serves as a mediator in in place of Christ in order for the sins of the confessor to be forgiven. But I would not say that all of it, that the concept is totally off. Because God, this, if if God has arranged it so, That we don't get our we don't get full total freedom and healing until we confess. And we feel that. Like we feel it. That's why, that's why priests will, they're recession proof. <laughs> they will forever be here. Because people will always have a sense, a feeling of I gotta. Tell somebody. Right. Shh. Right. <laughs> I got I to get this off my chest. In 2010, the Catholic Church started a hotline in California that you can actually call 24 hours a day and just confess. That's it. It's a confession hotline. 
they get that. They get that we can, that people will, will implode if we don't confess. They, they get that. So God says, he says, listen, I want you to do two things. Confess first to God. So the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, we all know this one, that God is faithful and just to forgive us all of us, all of our unrighteousness. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. Here's what the Bible actually doesn't say. The Bible does, never says if we ask for forgiveness. We spend most of our days like asking for forgiveness, like we're not forgiven. But the Bible never tells us to ask for forgiveness. It says confess. <laughs> confess your sins. And he's faithful and just. Because we're already forgiven. We're not asking God to keep forgiving us. God, please forgive me. God, please. God, would you please forgive me? That's where we go wrong. That's a lack of understanding of what's already been accomplished. The cross, God absorbed all of your sin and the punishment that served as a consequence for your sin. That's the cross. All of your sin, God says, give me all the great. That was the moment of great exchange. Give me all of your sin. And in exchange, I'll give you all of my righteousness. <laughs> that already happened. But that happened because the Bible says that before the foundations of the world, worthy is the lamb that was slain. So that happened sometime in eternity past. But watch this. The fact, because somebody says, well, well, why do we have to keep asking for or keep confessing our sins? But just because something happens at a period in time doesn't mean that it doesn't need to be actualized in real time. So, for example, God, the Bible says that in eternity past, uh, Jesus died, technically. Because the Bible says before the foundations of the world, worthy is the lamb who was slain. Revelation 12. Before the world was formed, sometime in eternity past, Worthy is the lamb who was slain. Technically, that's all done. Yet and still, gee, God had to come. We just celebrated the incarnation of Christ. God actually coming to the earth to grow up and be slain. (laughs) In the same way, even though our sins are forgiven. (laughs) Oh, my God. Even though our sins are forgiven, Positionally, from eternity's perspective, Ephesians 1 says, In all of these many blessings you have been given, many blessings in heavenly places. (laughs) And one of those is the redemption and forgiveness of sins. So from heaven's vantage point, from eternity's vantage point, of course we are forgiven. But that does not mean that it still doesn't need to happen in real time. The Bible says we're seated in heavenly places, yet we're not there yet. You see, so what so so what so what God is so what God has done is God has God says, listen, when you sin, what this these secrets that you're holding about yourself that hinder you 
this preoccupation with image and trying to conserve, uh, 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 preserve how people see you. Look, he says, start confessing that stuff to me first. Because if you confess your sins, <laughs> if you confess, if I can just, God, God, I'm so sick of doing the same thing over and over. I just keep, every time I keep turning, I try to, but every, that's confession. I'm, I'm laying it. Listen, but see what, the, see, what the world does is they confess. That's why I said there are three, it involves three pieces, parts. Because what the world does is they confess shamelessly. Hip-hop, the rappers confess shamelessly. Shh. See, the world gets it. They'll tell you everything about themselves, but in a shameless way. See, the thing about this is the context is forgiveness. The context of 1 John is forgiveness. In other words, there's something that, 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 that means, that signifies the fact that I recognize there's something wrong with what I'm confessing. First to God, positionally, I know, forgiven, clean, made whole. Relationally, I still need to be forgiven. My relationship doesn't change. I mean, my, the, 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 the nature of our relationship doesn't change, but our fellowship is broken when I sin. So when I confess my sins, just like I do with my parents or my wife or when I confess to you, that's mending the fellowship between us. He says, confess your sins to God. First, confess. Don't keep asking for forgiveness. Confess your sin. And you will be forgiven. Because we think if I keep asking, we think asking is a prerequisite to forgiveness. Confess, and then lastly, confess to one another. Bible says, confess your faults, James 5, 16, one to another. Watch this. So that you might be healed. And many of us don't have a problem confessing our secrets to God. We have a, we have a problem confessing our secrets to each other. That's the biggest problem we have. I can't, I can't tell nobody I did that. I can't tell nobody. Some of us have stuff from 20 years ago we feel like I can't tell nobody I did. That's because we have a very, um, we have a, a very um, lopsided understanding also of, <laughs> of how sin like how, like we think that the external outward sin is actually the big deal. Where Jesus came along and said, that's what, the, that's what everybody thought. All the religious leaders thought that. What I do on the outside is the big problem. Jesus says, no, 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 no. If you so much as thought it, that's the secret. See, the, see, the religious leaders just held secrets. They just... They, they just, I, I mean, I never, I, I never, they literally came along and said, I ain't never killed nobody. Right. I, I ain't never been with no other woman. I ain't never, Jesus said, have you ever thought it? Yeah. 
See, we think the big deal is what happens out here. So the Bible says, confess your faults to each other. So what needs to happen at Kingdom Living is you all have to create a culture of each other, each otherness. <laughs> you have to create a culture of there's people, there are people here in this church. Because watch this, the, watch this. Because when you confess to each other, you eliminate a lot of the mess so that as more start coming. <laughs> the reason why you have to start confessing to each other now is because you're growing. And you got to get the leaven out now. And the leaven starts with confession with each other. Yeah. The Bible says that's where you're healed. Because if y'all don't start confessing to each other, new people will come in with old leaven creeping. See, the Catholic Church got it right because at least they have a culture of confession where the Protestant Church doesn't have that. The Protestant Church is, the far, is far away from this concept of confession. Because we spend most of our time thinking about how bad their version of it is. But God says, uh-uh, I set up something even better than you going to the priest. It's you going to your neighbor, to your brother, to your pastor. Confess. Tell the worst part of yourself. Trust me, it will free you. And it'll keep you humble because as long as you don't have a lot of external sin and everything is a secret, you can turn your nose up at everybody who does have a lot of external stuff. Confess a culture, you can play, but a culture of confession here at Kingdom Living. As you go into 2020, No more secrets. As you go into 2020, no more secrets. Whoever you need to call today, no more secrets. Whoever you need to talk to in the car, no more secrets. If you need to talk to your pastor, no more secrets. No more secrets. This is a time. Listen. Listen. Your freedom is dependent on it. Even if it's the secrets of other, what other people have done to you. Because what happens is when we get saved, when we come to faith, Jesus forgives us for our sins. But he doesn't forgive us of the sins that were committed against us. <laughs> yeah, we get forgiven. Our sins are forgiven. But what about the sins that were committed against us? 
what uncle did, what aunt did, what mom did, what dad did, what leadership did. See, those are the sins committed against you. And then and maybe you, you harbor maliciousness and, 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 and a hatred towards the people. Get it out. That's the point I'm making. Confess that. Get that out. Tell somebody who is mature and can help you to be restored in that area. But whatever your secrets are, whatever you hold, whatever you're hiding, whatever you're ashamed of, get it out. Your freedom is dependent upon your confession. Your freedom is dependent upon your confession. Your healing is dependent upon your confession. Your wholeness is, con is contingent upon your confession. <laughs> you cannot be whole if you're holding. <laughs> you cannot be whole if you're holding. If you want to be whole, stop holding. <laughs> oh my God. Whatever you hold in, whatever you hide, whatever you bottle, Listen, God says, I come to reason with you so that the things, the sin that is as scarlet, I will make it white as snow. Jesus says, I did not come to condemn you. That's what you do to yourself. Oh, my God. That's what we do to ourselves. Jesus says, I did not come to condemn you, but to give you life. I come to save you. I came to seek and to save those who are broken and those who are hiding and those who are full of shame and those who are full of guilt. God says, bring it to me. Let's reason together. and You will find healing and wholeness for your spirit and your soul. Don't you want to go into 2020? free don't you want to go into 2020 free resolve in your heart that if that's what you want you'll do what it takes and on the other side of your confession, is the life that God intended for you to have. You're miserable, you're depressed, weighed down, guilty, filled with shame. You don't have to be any longer if you confess secrets in Jesus name that concludes this week's message and thank you very much for listening for more information about Kingdom Living Ministries please call us at 732-324-2200 or visit our website at kingdomlivingnj.org also you can write to us by mail at P.O. Box 519, Rancocas, New Jersey, 08073. And lastly, 
If you would like to partner with this ministry through your prayers or financial support, contact us via email at partners at kingdomlivingnj.org. Our prayer is that this message has encouraged you to live out the kingdom of God daily in your life by your obedience to His word. God bless you. 